You're listening to the Voices Behind Women's Cricket Chat. That's Hannah, Georgie, Cassie, Mahika and Alex. Coming up on today's podcast... It's the episode you've all been waiting for. We've got the one, the only, Queen of Speckies, Fran Wilson. Now, we obviously talked to Fran about that pointless episode and the dynamic duo of her and Georgie. Her move back to Western Storm and making the tough decision to retire from international cricket. This is also the last episode with Hannah for a while as she's just given birth to her little girl Phoebe. The team would like to wish her and Howard a massive congrats on the birth of their child, Phoebe, and uh, good luck with the sleepless nights. Okay, today we are welcoming to the podcast, World Cup winner, pointless winner, my partner in crime, Fran Wilson. Fran, welcome to the pod. You're joining me, Georgie, and Hannah, very close to term with a baby. So it's going to be an exciting pod today. Hello, thank you for having me. So thank you so much for joining us. Obviously, you know... We're recording this just after you and I went live one pointless the other day. You've won many a trophy in your time. So we've got to start things off. Like you've played in three World Cups. Which one was the highlight? Probably the winning one. What was it like to win a World Cup? Yeah, it's incredible. It feels like a long time ago now. I guess it was. It was, what, five years ago? Yeah, I just think the whole the whole tournament, so 2017, was just incredible to be a part of. And like it's even like cooler now looking back. I think initially you don't really think about it because you're in the moment and you're kind of in it. But like looking back, you think about all the cool memories and all like the, the close games and just the friends and everything. Yeah, it's incredible to have been a part of. And before we get onto all the cricket stuff, let's take it back to point <laughs> well. So how highly does that rank alongside that 2017 experience? Oh, it's the life achievement, I think. Greatest life achievement. <laughs> yeah, I was say, in all seriousness, how did you find it? Yeah, it was good fun. It was really good fun. I did. I genuinely wasn't expecting to get past the first round, but yeah, no, like it was amazing. Basically, Fran and I rocked up and we're like, we don't really know what we're doing here. Okay, and I was like, Fran, you are at least do a cricket World Cup winner. I just sit and record a podcast and then proclaim to the world that I sit next to a penguin. So actually, it just got even worse. And yeah, we. I think we. we I think everyone was quite surprised that we won it. Like, yeah, we were. Like, we were last minute, cuts, weren't we? Because um, Heather and Tammy couldn't do it because they had some kind of training or something. So we were like called up the day before and I was like, I have, I all I remember is seeing everything that you couldn't wear. And I was like, I can't, I have nothing to wear. Like you couldn't wear black. And I was like, that's like my whole wardrobe. <laughs> I've got nothing to wear. So yeah, it was, it was definitely unexpected, but I guess, I don't know, sometimes they're the best things in life, you know, unexpected. I did get a lot of really random messages from people being like, you're really tall. And I was like, I know, but also Fran is not that tall, so we probably be quite ridiculous right now. Someone was like, you must be at least six foot five, and I was like, you're an idiot. No, I'm not. I was playing international basketball right now. I I got the same. Everyone was like, you have to keep panning out to see you both, because Georgie's so tall, and I was like, oh, I don't think she's that tall. (laughs) But did you walk past Richard Osman? Because then I was like, I definitely don't feel tall right now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Madness. But um, yeah, and everyone can be like, hey, did you get asked lots of cricket, cricket questions? I was like, no, no. And I got a very rude message from my brother when we got the Formula One question wrong. Oh, really? Yeah, not for, not for podcast ears. Also, I'm pretty sure that trophy is heavier than the World Cup trophy. Yeah, I don't know. Probably. Oh, what the um, pointless Well, you, you've lifted both. I haven't. So you're going to uh, have to tell us. Yeah, the pointless trophy's like 
it would it would be a good not that I'm a violent person, but it'd be a good weapon. Like if someone broke into your home, like it's this sturdy. It's like a brick, isn't it? Yeah, I was thinking that I was on the train home and I was like, I could kill a man with something that's in my bag right now. That would be quite yeah. a story. It could be Richard Dawson's next novel. <laughs> there you go. You absolutely smashed it and came across super intelligent and gave the most roguish answers. Is it three pointless answers throughout that whole episode or something? Yeah. I think George you can probably take but um credit for it's definitely the chemistry ones because I like I have no idea about chemistry well I had to pretend to the person in the dressing room beforehand that I don't watch the show religiously every day at 5 15 she was like so do you know how the show works and I was like oh yeah I think you know you're just trying to get low scores I didn't go I actually watch this every single day and was really annoyed when Boris was giving his daily talks and it took over pointless <laughs> anyway so I think you know we've I've rubbed my own ego enough we're bored of that one so we're going to take it way, way back. Brown Wilson, cricketer, and pointless winner. But you can that can go second on your CV these days. How did the cricket journey start? Who got you into it? And what sort of ignited the love for the game? I think it's the, the classic story of cricketers my age. Is, you know, older brother, dad in the back garden, really. Yeah, we just used to play. I remember we'd wait for my dad to come home. Like, dad, can we play cricket now? So just always be playing in the garden. We like, I had neighbours as well. And we, all the boys next door, it's always boys. I was like the only girl. And we'd just have like massive cricket games. And yeah, I think that's where it kind of started, really. Um, I just loved it. And then from there, joined Bath Cricket Club. I got into the kind of Somerset stuff and met Hannah. <laughs> And then I went on to England and all of that. It kind of, I don't really know how it all happened. It just kind of, it did really. And you mentioned Somerset, obviously the motherland, the best place in the country. Who was it in that kind of time when you were playing? Who were the female kind of role models that you were playing around? And because it was like the likes of Jackie Hawker and people like that, that did have a few England appearances. Yeah, definitely. And I always say this when people ask me like, who inspired you? I always say those kind of senior players around at that time. So like Jackie Hawker, Hannah Lloyd. Did you play with Hannah Lloyd? No. So she was also like one of the kind of senior players in that Somerset team. And they were just like really good people and just a lot of fun to be around, but also really good to play cricket with. They looked after me. I think I was like 14 in that Somerset senior team, which I look back now, I was like quite a scary thought actually. Um, but yeah, I just always was surrounded by really good older players and, and that's really, really important, I think. I think I use that now when I'm playing. Now I'm older, <laughs> the older one. It's, I take it really seriously, my role is like looking up to the younger players. And do you think that there's a, been a really big change in how those younger players are managed, you know, physically and psychologically? Because obviously we, we focus a lot more on strength these days than also the mental health support. Is that different now to when you were coming through? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Massively different. There's a, I think there's more of an awareness around kind of looking after the players, which is a really good thing. I think there's a challenge with it as well, because there's a lot of what we used to do that was really, really good. So how do I explain what I'm trying to say here? There's really, like, it's so good we're now looking after people. We need to get that balance between, no, you have to be at this thing. You have to commit in this way. And I think that's just a challenge that we're going through at the moment because it, it's a bit of a transition phase between how it used to be and how it is now. But it's really interesting, actually. Yeah, because I think especially at the moment with this professionalisation, it's the first time where you as a like, former England player, you had that kind of sense of structured day-to-day -day kind of training. You know what you're meant to be doing. Whereas in this regional setup now, especially the younger players, it's a bit of a culture shock for some of them, I think. I've heard some kind of, some players like, oh, I'm too tired for a session today. It's like, no, no, cricket is your, your job now, you know? And that must be quite hard. Yeah, it is. And it, I guess it's not even just the, the younger players, it's probably all of us, but... Yeah, it's definitely difficult. And it's, I guess, back in the day, it was, we 
played for the love of the game and like you were just the expectation was that you were there whether you were getting paid or not I mean not even expenses when you were when I was like 14 15 <laughs> but that didn't affect me as my parents <laughs> so yeah it's it is really difficult it is now people's jobs and I think it's it's just finding that balance and it's just an achieving stage at the moment especially in kind of our domestic setup it's what three years in and yeah I think we're getting there so that's good and so you were really young obviously um, when you got first involved and then you made your way up through into the England setup can you remember what you felt like when you made your debut oh god I'm totally out of my depth nervous I just I wasn't ready to play for England Uh, I think I've said this quite a lot in interviews but I think maybe back then because there was no transition it was literally county cricket in your whites in some random pitch not watched by no one to the whacker in Perth on tv Meg Lanning making her debut there was no transition and for someone like me I, I felt very overwhelmed and I probably wasn't technically as good as I should have been either so yeah so that first time playing for England I just was completely out of my depth and it was a little bit scary to be honest with you is what preparation did you have going through that kind of transition? Because obviously there's like the Super Fours and that kind of stuff. But beyond that, was there much preparation? I know you said there isn't, but what did you have? Back then it was, we ha- we'd have weekend camps up in Loughborough. So we'd have like three-day camps every couple of weeks. And there was Super Fours, but I don't think I really played in that. I think I was really fast-tracked. I was, I think I had one good, I had a really good county season and then it was like, right, we need to get her in. Whereas... Now I think it'd be right, we need to get her in and around the environment, around the academy, play lots of those games. So yeah, <laughs> what is that? I don't think I played Super Fours. I think I was literally straight in from, from county cricket. When you made your debut in 2010, that was before like England women got their first professional contracts in 2014. Yeah. So it really was a completely different landscape, wasn't it? Oh, it was completely different. And it, but it, it didn't matter. Like I still, it was really weird because I still wanted to play for England and that was my like ambition and my goal but it wasn't a career so I don't know what I thought I was going to be doing like I don't know just (laughs) earning money somewhere and then playing cricket for the whole time so yeah the logistics probably didn't match up but yeah it it was completely different like we would train on a Thursday train at weekends and then go on tour for six weeks and I don't really know how players managed it I guess a lot of them just had really good employees that employers sorry that kind of helped them out and so then, obviously, career carried on from there. And there was a time you, you went out to Australia for the Ashes in 2011. And there were two Golden Ducks there. And then a three-year sort of barren period away from England. How did you deal with that one? So both mentally, mentally physically, and keep yourself motivated to get back into that England side? Yeah, well, I think I got back from that Australia tour and I just didn't want to play for England anymore. Like, I didn't want to do it. I'd just been so scarred <laughs> that I was just, like, homesick and I just didn't think I was good enough. And back then, like, it was really weird. I just thought that I just thought that if you were good enough, you didn't have those doubts. If, if someone's good enough to play for England... This is exactly what went from here. If someone's good enough to play for England, they don't doubt themselves. They don't think, they don't get nervous. And I think it's because when I looked around that changing room, it was all so experienced, knew exactly what they were doing, and I felt completely out of place. So, yeah, back to your question, I kind of went back, and, and I was at uni, luckily, and I just had a, the best three years at uni, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> I, um, I played football, so I joined the football team, and 
got into like the performance squad. So it was, it was almost like training like a professional athlete, but going out on a Wednesday night, <laughs> and I, which was amazing. I met some amazing friends, got really involved in the club, uni. So yeah, it was, did loads of cool stuff and developed my confidence, developed a lot of other areas of my life, let alone just having a really good group of friends away from cricket as well. And I really, I like attribute a lot of getting back into that England team to my experiences at Bath Uni and, and my friendship group and, and the football club, just because it, it gave me so much to then leave uni and be like, okay, right, now you can like knuckle down and, and try and get back into that England team. I think that's one of those things that's really important because it shows that you need to have that balance. You can't just spend your entire life, especially when you're so young, playing cricket, thinking cricket, dreaming cricket, talking about cricket, because it is going to just completely burn you out, isn't it? Also, I want to know what position in football and are you that person who gets really competitive in the warm-up when you guys are playing football? So I was centre mid. I know Frank Lampard's retired now, but I saw myself as like Frank Lampard, goal-scoring midfielder. And yeah, oh my God, I've chilled out a little bit now, although my friends would say otherwise. But I, like, I'm a very competitive, annoying person. Like, board games, like, forget it. Like, (laughs) it's not acceptable, (laughs) to be honest. Christmas in the Wilson household is, like, genuinely... I'll be a massive fall every year. Oh, I love that. And I feel like now I want to take it back slightly, but now I'm like, oh, I want to talk more about board games and your competitive edge. When you're talking about football, it made me think of like the Loughborough football girls that obviously, you know, Tony and she went to the World Cup and that photo of the Wilsons worldwide and the rest of it. Um, well, so we'll come on to that a bit later on. But you mentioned about the squad you were in during 2010. And obviously the context around that, it's a squad that won the 2009 World Cup, the T20 World Cup and, and Ashes. So to even like break into that squad, we had like Danny Wyatt on the other day and she said about making her debut in 2010, it was a little bit kind of unexpected because that cohort of players were so strong. So was there that additional pressure like you mentioned? Yeah, I think so. Because like just before that, I was literally just the biggest fan. Like I would stay up and like follow the scores and like when they were playing in like the 2009 World Cup. So I was just the biggest fan girl basically. So to go from that to then training with these people, like... It was, as I said before, I was just really overwhelmed. Uh, yeah. And I wouldn't have shown it. I'd have been like, no, I'm fine. I'm really cool and I'm brave. But like deep down, I was like, oh my God, I'm not good enough to be here. And I think it was also quite a difficult time because that 2009 World Cup team, they were kind of going into a transition phase. So it, was, it wasn't like you were joining the team at the start of their journey to being the best in the world. It was like almost on the way out into new transition and new cycle so you had that added that added kind of pressure of probably not being the best team anymore so yeah it, it was a really difficult thing I'll probably echo what Danny White said it, it was a really weird time to kind of join that England team and was there someone in that setup who sort of took you under their wing yeah like they were amazing to be honest. so like uh, Lydia Greenway who I'm really close to still now Laura Marsh was amazing I remember that the game when I played at the Wacker and I came off and I think I dropped a catch or something and I was just like really up you know when you're on the verge of tears but like you're just holding it back and I just remember Catherine Brunt coming up to me in the changing room like putting a hand on my knee and like you're okay Fran and I just like burst into tears <laughs> the worst Catherine does that as well she's just like one of these emotional people who like makes you emotional <laughs> and like Jenny Gunn as well like they were all really they were just they're all an amazing team and a, a great group of people um I think there was just that me I probably just wasn't ready to play for really sorry I'm gonna shut this other window 
honestly don't stress <laughs> so you mentioned fielding and a drop catch which is we don't see that from you these days you know I know you hate it a little bit because obviously you are an unbelievable fielder but that's not the only thing you want to be known for is it no like I, I did always find it a little bit frustrating it was always like oh Fran Wilson best fielder in the world which is great amazing but like I always felt in that England team that I never I never really got to consistently show what I could do with the bat so that was always a bit of a frustration from my part but I guess maybe a good frustration because it's not a bad thing to be known for your fielding. And you say that you sort of had that frustration. You couldn't show what you wanted to do with the bat. If you like, Was it because you didn't get to bat where you might have wanted to and then show what you could do? Was it that you couldn't express yourself and you're sort of being moulded into somewhere that you might not necessarily wanted to bat? Yeah, a little bit. I think I had like phases of like batting five, six, which, which I really enjoyed. And like you, it is an exciting position. I think it just got to a point where I was like, this isn't where I want it to be in the end. So the progression wasn't there, if that makes sense. So I just got stuck at six and like felt like I could never, I felt like I was never going to push through and, and and get ahead of the likes of Nat and Heather. And that's, I guess, why what led to my retirement with it, really. But having said that, like I did have an amazing, however many, probably five years kind of batting in that middle order, like six, five, well, sometimes I've got to five, but yeah, I had like five years batting at six for England and that was like incredible. Like I still got to play in some amazing games, play some really good innings. And yeah, I still really enjoyed my, my time with the, with the England squad. And you mentioned Heather there. Tell me the Somerset girl, Devon girl. What was it like growing up and facing her? And do you have any kind of, do you know much about her at the time when you were growing up? Was there that rivalry between Somerset and Devon? Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Huge. Did you play in that game down at Kings Bruton, was it? Did you play in that? The one where we got like 300 or something or not that one. was the fight of us, the finals, wasn't it? Or something. Yeah, finals. There was just like, it was a really game. And yeah, we had some good games with Devon. I remember Heather was always the one who just scored 100 every week. And I remember one time though, it, we played them and I was, this was in my bowling days and I got her caught and bowled and she got like six. I think we won the game actually. So yeah, <laughs> that's my, my highlight of my bowling career. Do you still remind her of it? Oh, absolutely. And then she always, without fail, comes back with, oh, yeah, but Franz, you remember the time I hit you into the tree at that Taunton Festival? I'm like, yeah, I remember that as well. <laughs> so to be fair, she's got a lot more comebacks than me. It's when you go to that tree and she's carved it here, like Heather was here, ha-ha, Fran. Yeah, I should go check that, actually. <laughs> and so obviously she's gone on to become, you know, this prolific England captain and you've played under her at times. What's she been like to have as a captain? Yeah, she's been incredible. I mean, she's done it for a long time now. So the way I describe Heather as a captain is she just sets the standards. So like with training, with fitness, with attitude to challenges, she just, she sets the standard. She's always the one who's like, no, we can do more. Let's go and do this. Let's do extra. And I think, I mean, that's something that I really, really value and, and kind of look up to. So, and you need that. I think that's, a huge thing about kind of making it to the next level and then the level beyond that is that want just to always do more obviously you don't want to burn out but if you're in that mindset where you want to keep learning and keep pushing yourself you've got to if you if you want to be at the top that's kind of essential really so you mentioned that talk of burnout and obviously we have had a pretty turbulent last few years you know there was pandemic then there was bubble life what was that like and how difficult was it dealing with that, especially when you weren't necessarily getting the chance to play and there was a lot of drink carrying? 
Yeah, it was really tough to be honest. Like, that, so taking it back to before we were even on the cricket pitch, like the COVID, it was kind of a, a nice opportunity just to take a step back because we had quite a busy winter and I think we'd been at the World Cup and been away. And yeah, it was actually quite nice just to go home, spend some time with your families, like just have a break. But then obviously we got back into it and yeah, the bubbles were really tough. I think last year, like just before I retired, yeah, it, it wasn't that fun. I think you just... All you have is that bubble. So all you have is training, carrying the drinks in my sense, um, and the same people. And those people are great, but I think it's really important to be able to kind of have that release. And you just, your whole identity is like wrapped around those three things. And if you're not playing, and if you're not, if you don't feel like you're getting anywhere, it wasn't even that I wasn't just playing. It just felt like I had nothing to kind of aim for or, or work on. And I think that's what I found like really difficult because like, I'm, I'm a really good trainer and I love training but I just I didn't even want to train <clears throat> I couldn't I didn't want to train and that's I think that's when I kind of thought mm, maybe I need a bit of a change really so yeah I, I, the only thing is I obviously knew that it was very bubble specific but it kind of just made things quite clear to me that I needed a new direction and a new kind of challenge to push my cr- uh, cricket again and you've got a background as well in nutrition and did you do masters in nutrition, right? I did, yeah. <laughs> with that as well, obviously, with the bubble life, there was a lot of delivery. And I've heard from kind of some players that that actually really affected them. Like it's a novelty to begin with, but then actually, you just want some like home cooked food and some actual proper nutrition. Yeah, definitely. And I love cooking as well. I like I didn't, yeah, like I realised that now, spending more time at home, how much I love cooking. And yeah, delivery was. It was, it was a bit soul destroying in the end. I think nutritionally, you can make pretty good decisions. Like there's so much, there's so much um, choice now. But I think just for me, it was just the the actual action of cooking and having like autonomy and being able to walk to the shop and buy it and cook. Which yeah, I really missed. I really missed. And I guess that's just part of the monotony of bubble life. But also, you get to you were missing out. Once, you know, once things got going a bit more and the domestic scene came back in, you were missing out on being able to play that just because you were with the England side, but not necessarily getting to play. How difficult was that watching youngsters perhaps come through that and you're there like, I'm kind of at England, but I'm kind of not. And I actually would quite like to be batting and playing some cricket. Yeah, that was probably one of, that was probably the toughest thing, actually, when the Hey Ho Flint Trophy started going and all you see is what's on Twitter and like you just see, I think I probably came off it in the end, but you see everyone else it's like everyone else can have fun and you're just you're just not it's like you know the kids that you're just like been grounded and you're sitting there watching everyone else do what they want to do and yeah it's all it was that feeling of not really belonging anywhere like not really fully part of the England team although everyone like does their best to keep you included like you never get that when you're not consistently not playing and then but also not fully part of the domestic setup like I think I played maybe two three games and some rises as well so you're like you're in nothing and you just feel a bit a bit of a nomad a bit of a no man's land which was yeah which was a, definitely a big challenge of it so did it actually come as quite a relief in the end to retire like how long had you been considering it I think it first crossed my mind I, I I'd felt frustrated as an England player, probably since that winter, since we'd come back from COVID, I had felt a bit of a frustration. It was kind of, but it wasn't, it wasn't retirement in my head. I was just, I just like had this underlying feeling of like feeling a bit like unfulfilled, a bit uninspired, um, which is quite weird 
it was quite a weird thing because I've always felt very like driven and inspired in a training context where was I but then I think as the summer went on and the bubbles went on it kind of became really clear to me that actually I just needed a new challenge so I don't actually think it was the bubbles and COVID which might have contributed it might spell it up but I think it was really just an underlying feeling that actually I want to feel I want a new challenge I want a new challenge in cricket I just felt a bit stale as an international cricketer and I didn't feel like I was going to get through that staleness if I kept going in the same direction I felt like I needed to take a side step to then kind of push on I know it sounds weird because it, it probably sounds like oh you're tired from international cricket you you're kind of settling in you're coasting to the end but for me it was more oh right how can I enjoy how can I enjoy my cricket again how can I push my cricket again and get that new lease of like like passion for it really um so yeah I, I would say I probably started thinking seriously about the retirement during that second bubble I, I can't remember who we're playing <laughs> it's kind of gone out of my, me- my memory um yeah and you're talking about a new challenge obviously with the regional stuff it's provided that and I want to get on some highlights as well because I know we've been focusing on those kind of challenges, but there's been a lot of highlights as well in your England career. So perhaps start with some of those highlights and we'll move on to the regional stuff shortly. Yeah, so I'd say one of the biggest ones was my first game back. Like it, there was a lot riding on that game. I think we played Pakistan at the Rose, uh, not Rose, well, the Aegeus Bowl. It was a double header, so there was a good crowd in and I was so nervous. I hadn't played for England in like five years and there was a lot riding on it. And I, I don't know, somehow I managed to get my uh, player of the match, which was... I meant quite meant a lot to me and then god there's so, there's so many highlights like I just love it sounds stupid but I, I love just going to training every week up at Loughborough and I felt like I was learning so much especially when Mark Robinson and Annie Maiden were in like that kind of build up to that World Cup in 2017 and the World Cup in 2017 was just like I just felt like I was constantly learning um constantly being pushed which was definitely a highlight Probably that 75 in, was it 70? No, it was 81, wasn't it? In the, against India in the World Cup. That was incredible. Don't pretend and, you don't know. You don't know, was it? Yeah, I yeah. Think, oh, I don't know what I scored in the World <laughs> Cup. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it was 81. How we thought about it now. And then I know it was only 30 runs, but when we played against South Africa in the semi final, I got like a 30 and it almost got, pretty much got us over the line, which was. And it was at Bristol and I love playing at Bristol and it got us to the final. And that was, that was a really, I was, it was just an amazing game. And that was an incredible highlight as well. Look, honestly, there's quite a few highlights. I could probably sit here all day, but yeah, it was, I loved it. It had such a good time. And something about something like a 30, you know, when people look back at scorecards, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't spring out, but what is so great is that, you know, the impact that had in the context of a World Cup to get you to the final, then won. And that's something that's quite special, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And me and Jenny Gunn, we always have, we always text each other on the anniversary of that partnership. <laughs> like, oh, it's our anniversary today, Jen. Because it was such a, like, it was such a good partnership. And I remember, we just remember the chats we were having. And yeah, it was such an important game and an important partnership to get us through to that, that final. So yeah, we're very aware as a team, like how important those little contributions are. I feel like that date needs to be shared. Georgie, what do you think? <laughs> Yeah, we're 100% having an anniversary. Fran, tell the listeners when they need to. I only know the date because it always comes up on the ECB, like, on this day. So I don't actually know off the top of my head. But I can let you know it. <laughs> we'll drop the we'll drop it on, on the socials and we'll get everyone to celebrate. Yeah. Well, it'll be an on this day as well. We'll have to call it, like, I don't know, 
I can't think of a good name, like Gunson Day or something, or like Jen Fran, I don't know. I'll come up right. with it later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, 2017 World Cup. What were the celebrations like after that match as well, after the final show? <laughs> it was amazing. The only thing was we were all absolutely shattered. Like, I think it's hit us like a train. We were like, what has just happened in these last seven weeks? But yeah, the best was being like in the Lord's changing room and just everyone having just... Yeah, singing the team song. And then we were headed back to the hotel. And I think this is, it's a well-known story, but Catherine Brunt tried to get into a club in her playing and trainers. No, no play, she tried to get into the, a club with, in her playing kit and they turned her away because she was wearing trainers. So <laughs> I was like, is it just the trainers? Like, what are you doing? So we couldn't go out. We had to stay in the hotel, but that was really fun. We just like, all our friends and family were there. Yeah, it was pretty good celebrations. She had the World Cup medal around her neck as well. Yeah, yeah. She <laughs> Please tell me she did a do you not know who I am. Probably. I would imagine she would. <laughs> no, I hope she doesn't listen to this. <laughs> so we have a date. And it's actually coming up. Okay, right. The, future. the 19th of July. 19th of July. And this year will be your fifth anniversary. And the Wiltshire and Gloucestershire standard. We're very excited about you on that day because I am just having a little look at what it is. So that you're measured 30 from 38 balls alongside experienced Jenny Gunn with 27 from 27. You shepherded the tail home. And Jenny Gunn at the time said, Fran was really calm throughout. Is that how you felt, Fran? I actually think I was pretty calm. Like when there's, when there's a task there, like... I mean, off the pitch, I'm probably a little bit like, oh, what the hell's going on? But then when I get on the pitch, I'm like, right, this is the task, we can do it. I remember being really, like, stern with Jen. I was like, come on, Jen, low risk, low risk. And Hannah has just informed me that five years is the wood anniversary, which actually seems quite apt. It could be either wood or leather, so... You've got, to, oh, if yeah. you've got to get something for, you know, a little engraved bat or something for Jenny. We'll see. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. So that semi-final was just one of the most incredible games. How did you then get yourselves, you know, back in the mindset of, oh my God, we've done this insane thing. It was almost like a final, that semi-final, and then turn it around and have to, you know, build yourselves back up ready for the final. Yeah, I God. It was, it was a weird one because we also got given time to go home after that as well. And... So we'd been in this, a little bit of a bubble, really. A bubble where you could like go out for dinner and stuff <laughs> and see people. And then suddenly we got to go home and you talk to your family and you see people and they're like, it's almost not helpful because you're like, oh shit, I, oh sorry. Actually, this is quite a, <laughs> this is quite like a big thing. I remember getting the train from where I live to Lords, and I remember sitting next to someone and they're like, oh, you're... You you play in the England women's cricket team, and I was like, yeah. And it was just really strange. I've never been like recognised before, but this guy was like, he'd been following the cricket, and he recognised me. And yeah, I guess those few days kind of hit home how big a thing it was. It, like the, it felt like we had a lot of support, and that the nation had really like got behind women's cricket. So it was a challenge to kind of get back on track, really. But I think that team, that squad, like I I always think this. It's been very it's very very rare that you have a really good culture in a team like it's so rare I reckon I've been involved in three teams or squads in my whole sporting career and and that team had a fantastic culture and fantastic like fantastic team just so like so focused 
so supportive of each other and I think that kind of just made it really easy just to slip back in and, and just be like right now we've got a job to do here because that it wasn't just that final was obviously one day but it was a build-up of probably 18 months of doing re- doing really really well like the basics really well and, and building up to to that day which we obviously won but that was because we'd done all the hard work beforehand so yeah it was definitely a challenge going from that semi-final to the final but I think the culture that we created made it really easy just to do that. And who played what role in the change room? You know, did you have someone who was the DJ, someone who brought the jokes, someone who had the rubbish dad dancing? Oh God, I can't, I'm trying to even remember now. I mean, Kathy B is always like the one who's just being an absolute mental person. <laughs> like she's just making everyone laugh. Like she's the like heart and soul of that, well, was then anyway, the heart and soul of that change room. So it's going to be a, a massive hole when she whenever she ch- decides to leave I'm trying to think Nat was just like the chilled one just <laughs> you Nat and Amy were always the ones that I'd go to like I just I didn't want advice I didn't want to be like showered at just go and sit with them and you just feel really chilled Danny she would be the one that if I wanted to do something fun or just have a laugh I'd just go and hang out with Danny so there was like a person for every occasion and I think that's why I loved that like the, that team was so cool like there's just so many different characters and someone you could always depend on to go for to, to go for for whatever you needed I sound like a parasite <laughs> just <laughs> I need you right now <laughs> but yeah that was probably a great part of that team and then thinking now about the domestic stuff you had to join Sunrises to begin with but now you're back at Western Storm which is obviously amazing but it's a different role for you now I guess you've got players coming up to you for that instead now rather than you going around and being a parasite on others they're kind of stuck in the community I guess now yeah yeah definitely I think and I'm really enjoying that role yeah I guess I'm kind of the senior player I feel like I've towards the end of that that England my England career like I was definitely playing that role as well so it's kind of like just kind of a natural progression for me and yeah I love it like I love coaching I'm really interested in how like how to get the best out of people and so for me it's quite an enjoyable role to play not to mention all the other stuff that that I get to do at regional cricket like it's it's really cool because it's so new there's so much you can have an impact on whether that's off the pitch in terms of with the board or like helping them be like this is where we need to go, this is what the girls need, or whether it's with the young players coming through, there's there's so much that you can get involved with. And I think that's exactly what I needed, like going into, I don't know, the last five years of my career is that fresh challenge of, oh, I actually can really have an impact here. So what do you want to see from the regions? Because you just mentioned it, like, what is the vision from your perspective? And it's already progressed over the last couple of years, but the performance standards have massively improved. But where do you want to take it? Yeah, I think so. There's, there's, it's come so far, and obviously, it's amazing that we've got this regional setup. I think, in terms of all the regions, they all need a, a base that they are at one place every training session. Um, that's so important. I think, just in terms of enjoyment of your job, just being able to leave your kit there, knowing where you want to live, all those things. I think there needs to be more coaching staff. Like, we always talk about player wellbeing, but coaches you don't need coaches to be stretched and because they can't coach their best if they have 30 players they're looking after and obviously we want more contracts but for me the most obviously the contracts are really important and that that's what looks really good but actually we need that structure to support all those contracts like I would rather have uh, less contracts and a setup that's amazing that can support the wider squad better than just have 
contracts because it looks good. So I think that's really, really important. And I'm sure like the people in charge know all that anyway. And it's just a, it's just a process and it's always going to take time. <clears throat> Bring on Fran Wilson, regional director. <clears throat> <clears throat> nudge, nudge. So obviously you are playing alongside some of these really young girls that have come through the system that's obviously really different to when you first got involved, but they actually might be, we could almost call them the World Cup generation. So they would have seen that World Cup and been like, you know what, I want to play. We've got 16, we've got 15 year olds, haven't we, at the moment playing? We've got 16, 17. They would have seen that. What does it feel like to know that actually you're playing with and against some people that you might have inspired? Yeah, it's actually, it's quite cool, actually. I guess it was that same feeling that Jenny Gunn, Catherine Brunt would have got when I was in their changing room at, back in 2010. Like, you, you feel like you're having an impact. So, yeah, like I was at a game yesterday and one of the girls was saying, oh, I really want to get your autograph. I was like, what, really? <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think you need my autograph. <laughs> I felt the same on Pointless, but I was too scared to ask. No, I feel like a, um, what's the word? An imposter. <laughs> And then Sunrisers, you had a difficult time, but now you're back at Western Storm. What was the decision to come back to West Country? Yeah, I actually really enjoyed being at Sunrisers. And it was, I was living up that, that way at the time and with England as well. It meant you work with your regions loads. So I'd, you just need to be somewhere close and where you could be at home as much as possible. And I loved working with all the girls. They were a great bunch. The coaches were fantastic. But my decision to move back to the West Country is purely just... I was like, well, I'm set, I'm settling a little bit now as in terms of where I'm living. And I'm from the West Country. It's somewhere I'm really passionate about the cricket because I obviously grew up playing there. So I've got a lot of connections in terms of places that I've coached and played against. And I think having that kind of driver is really, really important, especially now I've stepped away from the England stuff. Having that extra driver, it's not just about like pushing yourself to get to the top level anymore. It is about pushing yourself to play and keep improving but it's also about right how can I develop cricket in this area and I think that was probably why a huge part of why I wanted to come back to the West Country. And you guys had you know not a bad campaign in the Charlotte Edwards Cup this year obviously we're looking ahead now to the Rachel Hayhoe Flint how are preparations going for that and you know can you can you swipe it off the Vipers this year? Yeah I genuinely think we can I I think the uh, Charlotte Edwards cup is it cup or trophy cup either one we were very much in a a stage we're a little bit unsettled just because we've had a bit of a turnover of coaches although it's not a new team I don't feel like we knew exactly where we all fitted in so it it was we're just in that transition phase and I think that's just normal going into the Rachel Hayhoe I feel like as a team 50 over cricket will really suit us um, I mean we all know Luffy can come back for, for days which is which will be amazing like she can be the glue for our team and I think get we, we'll have more stability as well which will be really really important so I definitely think we can swipe it off the Vipers. <laughs> and you mentioned Luffy as captain there I can't mention her without linking it to your nutrition degree and her baking is it the baked goods that are going to get you to that final? And which one is your favourite? Could do. She So she does Friday, every Friday in the winter, she like baked us cakes, <laughs> which was amazing. What's my favourite? I feel like she does this like Rocky Road type thing. I don't know how Hannah's she does nodding. it. Hannah's nodding. Yeah. That- a lot of comments about that and I've seen it. I haven't tasted it, but I want it. No, she she's a good baker. Like that Rocky Road looks next level. But back onto you a bit. Also alongside playing, you've been doing a bit of commentary 
And you did a bit of commentary with Georgie, didn't you, at the uh, Charlotte Edwards Cup final? Yes, we did. we did. So how have you found that as well outside of playing the game? Yeah, I love it. It's good fun. I don't think I'd want to do it like as like a full-time career, but it's quite cool to just kind of go and watch some cricket and, and chat about it. And yeah, it's, it's really enjoyable. Like I, I still feel quite close to the, the game and the players, so I, it's... It is a bit tricky sometimes, but yeah, it's good fun and you get to do it. Like it was really nice seeing Tash at the um, the final and being able to chat and yeah, it's just a really cool like little sociable little job and it, it's good fun. I think you were probably slightly less stressed than Tash, who was in that box with us because she was watching her own team that obviously she wanted to be playing for, and they actually did get a lot closer than we thought at one point. But she was a she was a very stressed human, wasn't she? Oh yeah, that's the. Tash is hilarious because she can't hide anything she's feeling. I lived with Tash for a couple of years up in Loughborough. I got to know her quite well. And yeah, you know exactly how she's feeling by the look on her face. And that final, when they were like, I don't know what they were, like 50 for five or something. She was stressing. She was really funny when the ball went through ADR's legs. And she was just like, oh, oh, it's not good, is it? <laughs> I was like, no, poor ADR. Uh, you got to just say what you see, don't, don't you, when you're doing comms and stuff, I guess. And this is slightly off topic and everything, but Taunton, we've got South Africa Test shortly, coming up super soon next week. What's your thoughts about Test match cricket? Do you want to see, because obviously we've seen those horrendous comments about the future of the women's game. You only got to play, was it one Test in your career? So yeah, yeah. So partly, what was that one experience like? And secondly, do you want to call for more Red Bull cricket in the women's game? Yeah, I think firstly, it was obviously very disappointing to hear the, the ICC starts on women's test cricket. I think so for me, like I feel just very grateful that I got one test cap because obviously it's played so irregularly that, you know, to get one, it's actually a pretty cool achievement to have. I think, yeah, I'd love to see more test cricket. I, I'd love to see the multi-format series. I think they work really well. And, and if if you can do that financially, I, I think why not do it? it it teaches a different different skills, which will be really, really valuable for the other formats. So, yeah, I, I would love to see more test cricket and hopefully the people in charge can kind of get that ball moving. So once we've had Fran Wilson, the cricketer, and then Fran Wilson, regional director, Fran Wilson can just take over and bring in more women's test matches and that'll be fine. There you go. All sorted. I've done it for you. I'll be your assistant. Get Luffy to bake stuff and we'll just travel around with it. So that's fine. I feel like we've probably talked your ear off enough and it's a time of recording quite early in the morning. Hannah could pop out a baby at any time. The builders could come through your wall. Who knows what might happen? And that's the fun of it all. But we do like to always round it off with some quick fire questions. So we're going to start off with one that we usually use. And that is, what is your favourite item at a cricket tea? Oh, goodness. A scone. Cream or jam first? You can do both, can't you? I don't know. I like. I think if you just sandwich it, then there's no argument. Yeah. <laughs> what's on top? What's on bottom, though? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't like cream or jam, so just <laughs> no relevance to me. Get a slather on the butter. Favorite sledge you've either given out or heard? Oh God, I'm really not very good at quick fire questions. Um, sorry to bring it up again, but Kathy B told me to f off when I was 14, so that was that was funny. <laughs> How often do you Wait, remind her? Do we, yeah, all the time. Do you edit this, by the way? <laughs> I don't know if I should that. <laughs> oh, it's not, it's, that's harmless, that's harmless. <laughs> right. Totally fine. Favourite place you've played? Favourite place. I really like the North Sydney Oval in Sydney. Obviously Sydney. 
Mm. <laughs> yeah, North Sydney Oval. Obviously Lords. Um, but yeah, North Sydney Oval. What's been your favourite county to play for? Because you've played for at least four or five. Yeah, I know. It's, it's not great, is it? I really enjoyed my time at Kent. Like, it obviously helped me won. But yeah, it was that was good fun. And um, so you've made the move from Oval to Welsh Fire. If you could pick KP Nuts or Hula Hoops? Hula Hoops. Every, anytime. A night in or a night out? In, definitely. Favourite person you've ever played with or against? Danny Wyatt. Is that with and against? Both? Yeah, uh, with would be her. Against would be uh, probably Lissy McLeod. I don't know if you guys know her, but she like we're like best friends and it's just hilarious when we played each other, like when we were younger. She'd be bowling and just laughing while she was bowling. <laughs> We'd just have so much fun. <laughs> if you hadn't been a cricketer, what would you wanted to do? I always wanted to be a vet when I was a child. That dream ended when I realised you had to be like really good at chemistry though. <laughs> That's where I came in. Exactly. <laughs> I was actually terrible at chemistry. I hated every single moment, but it's come in handy. You know, you know the periodic table, though, so that's good. I mean, I who was it? There was definitely a girl in my year that could sing the element song, which Daniel Radcliffe can do. Watch the video of him doing the element song. But very strange. I digress. Person who's inspired you most in your life? Oh, um, my mum. Is she your biggest fan? Because mums are the best. Yeah. What, wait, what did you just say? Is she also your biggest fan? Um, she's actually not, which probably... <laughs> like, she doesn't even watch me play cricket. I just like, I don't know, she's just great. She always works really hard at stuff and loves everything she does. So I've kind of like look up to that. <laughs> uh, last TV series you binged? Oh, what was it? Um, Love Island doesn't count, does it? Or does it? Yeah. You were every day, nine o'clock. Sorry, I can't do anything else now. I've got plans with Love Island. No, so I don't do the evening. I like wake up in the morning. This is what happens when you're a cricketer and you have loads of spare time. I wake up in the morning and then I have a cup of tea and I watch it. I watch it on catch up. It's great. It's just the best way to start the day. Literally, that's what I've been doing on maternity leave. Literally, I'm like, yeah. oh, cup of tea, Love Island. I can feel better about my life now. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the best thing I love it is because in the evening, I'll follow like the, I'll look on Twitter what everyone's writing. I'll be like, oh, this sounds funny today. Honestly, I sound like a massive Love Island Badger now, but... <laughs> who do you want to win? Or who's um, it's too early to say about winning, so who's your favourite? My favourite? I don't know. I don't really like any of them much. But <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no comment yet. Reserve my judgement. And if you could sum up your cricketing career thus far in three words, what would you say? Three words? I'm going to go with 19th of July. <laughs> yeah that worked was that World Cup final day no it was that was your anniversary Jenny Gunn day okay Hannah yeah what well, baby in until the 19th of July yeah well if it all goes well this morning that is a possibility so <laughs> can you imagine oh, what will I call her though Jenny or Fran <laughs> uh, Fran <laughs> friend friend there we go we just sort of our baby name drama so <laughs> I'm um, not happy to clarify <laughs> I feel like that is the end of everything I had to ask. Hannah, how about you? Yeah, that's all good for me. Well, Fran Wilson, World Cup winner, pointless winner and future director of world cricket. I'm going to go with that one. We like to aim high on this pod. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll obviously have to get in touch with our friend Richard Osman to tell him that this did happen. 
Um, apologies, I didn't have the penguin with me today either, but it's been so, so fab to have you on. And thanks for getting up mega early. We've dragged you away from watching your morning Love Island. And thank you for coming on Women's Cricket Chat. And I'm sure we will all cross paths again in the very near future. Thank you. You did actually drag me away from Love Island. I just realised that. Massive thanks to Fran for coming on and being a guest on the podcast. It was really interesting to hear her thoughts on the pointless win, to hear her thoughts about moving back to Western Storm, her time at Sunrises, you know, and just, you know, what an all-round good player she is. And, you know, if you want to keep up to date with everything that Fran's doing, you know, her tweets, Instagram, whatever, then she is at fwilson07 on both. And to all our listeners, if you want to keep up to date with everything that we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter at WCricketChat, on Instagram at Women's Cricket Chat. And if you want to give us a like on Facebook, we are Women's Cricket Chat. If you'd like to give our personal Twitters a follow, then it's at Hannity1194, at GeorgiaHeath27, at Cassie Coombs98, at Mehika Barshney, and I'm at Alex James. This has been Women's Cricket Chat. Tune in next time.